gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping the cello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Monique Barry, you're here with us once again. It is a pleasure to have you. How the hell are you? I'm good and it's Sagittarius season. I'm feeling amazing. Uh, I'm happy to be here with you today. Oh, me too. You've definitely lifted my vibe when I got on this morning. Monique will attest. I was like, you are Sally Sandy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I guess we'll discuss this topic. But now I've spoken to you for now 20 minutes. Um, I feel a lot better. So thank you so much. Is your vibe so good? What what have you been doing? (laughs) How have you been? Oh my God, what the fuck have I been doing? It feels like every time someone asks me what I've been doing, I'm like, hmm, let me sift through the year that is 2020 and figure out what has happened in the last few weeks. Well, I did my solo road trip. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. amazing. I, uh, what else did I do? I went on a meditation retreat in the most honestly phenomenal place in the whole of the fucking wide world. It's like an energetic vortex in New Zealand. I love it. It's in Barrier Island. Beautiful. Right Barrier Island. Oh, and my friend, her family are architects. It's actually her property. So it was just divine. And I'm just wrapping up, getting ready to wrap up work for 2020 so that I can take some time off for Christmas. It's my baby's birthday soon. Five. Can't believe he's five soon. Oh my gosh. A five-year-old. Yeah. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And you feel rested after your road trip as well? Do you feel like it was good for your soul? Yeah. Oh my God. It was the trip that I wasn't expecting that I really, really needed, you know, I kind of had in my mind that I was going to be doing this and that and all these things. And I took all my computers and books and everything down. I didn't pick up a book once. (laughs) I just rested. I went with the flow. It was just, it was really, you know, I, some days I spent, um, you know, I'd go down by the water or go for a walk and I'd just spend two or three hours not doing anything, not on my phone, not reading a book, not just like enjoying Oh my sitting God. there and thinking and I know which is really it's kind of fucking weird and definitely for me which we'll talk about later but yeah so that's been me I'm feeling good what about you oh wonderful um I it's been a big month since I think we last spoke well about six weeks I now know. a lot has happened in Melbourne we're out of bloody lockdown we just got confirmed there are zero active cases in the state. We don't have to wear masks when we go out. Like it is just all happening in Melbourne and everyone should just get here now because like it's a place to be right now. <laughs> right? Right? You want to come and visit me, right? No, it's just it's a great vibe. It's a great vibe here. Like everyone's like, you know, at restaurants and out and about and just so I think everyone feels this really, this amazing collective sense of um, relief and accomplishment and success. Like, so it just has made this amazing, yeah, collective vibe, I guess. So it's a really exciting time to be here and I feel really good. I feel like I've been really busy though. I feel like I've just then packed all my schedule up. So I feel a bit tired. Um, Mm. And I feel like I'm trying, I can feel some old patterns kind of coming in where I'm like, right, okay, I have to have this exact week planned and I've got this weekend coming up and I don't have my son, so I have to have this planned. And I had to take a bit of a deep breath and just realize I don't have to plan every inch of my life and, you know, whatever comes, I'll be okay. Um, it's almost this aversion to kind of sitting by myself at the moment. I think that's where that's coming from. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. yeah, like it's just... It's a, it's a, it's a fun time. It's a fun time to be here. So yeah, feel good. What lessons have been showing up for you over since we've last spoken? Oh, okay. Well, I guess after my trip, um, it would be when I came back, same sort of thing. I felt like, oh, I've been away for the last, you know, three weeks. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And I was really, but I didn't feel charmed to do anything. Like nothing really felt like it was blinding me in the face. You know, I thought after I'd had all this rest, I would have so much clarity about what action to take next. But the clarity that came to me was that there was 
I didn't have any action to take next. I just had to continue to rest. So I really realized that pattern that shows up for me quite a bit is that I judge myself for not doing anything. I'm feeling, I try and fill every second of my day with something. Yeah. Um, and so it's this discomfort with space. It's this discomfort with um, allowing myself to just rest and not, and not valuing rest as action uh and judging myself as being lazy so it's it's been kind of interesting I've been trying to let go of that and surrender to that a little bit more because I think in the spaciousness clarity comes but if I'm jamming my day full of as much shit as possible and being really rigid with my routine and what I have to do and shitting on myself and all of these kinds of things then I'm not going to have the space for the clarity to come through and perhaps action is coming and now I'm required to rest so that when the action does, you know, present itself to me, I'm ready for it energetically. I'm not overwhelmed and I can really deal with it. So that's, that's been a theme that's ongoing in various shapes and forms. It sounds, I've sent you some long boxes about something quite similar. Actually. Now, when you were talking about that, it made me reflect, um, I have not been doing any therapy or anything like that over the last, mm. I don't know, a little while. And I just said to you, I just, if, if I, if I booked a therapy session, I have nothing to talk about right now. Like I just feel like I'm in this mm. and I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm all healed and more better and everything's now I'm just this perfect person. It's more just like right now is this in between stage and this feeling of like, you know, I've done so much work on myself. I've integrated, I've, I've learned so much. I've grown so much. And I think when you've done that in such a short amount of time, your body and your mind almost need then that time to rest and catch up and integrate that. Mm and integrate those learnings into life. And because I have been in lockdown, I haven't had a chance to do that. So right now it just feels like I don't, I didn't have stuff to talk about. I didn't have stuff to say because there was already so much that has come out. And I don't think you want to overwhelm your system either. Um, yeah. So it's, it's similar to what you're saying. Like I thought there would be this moment of, all right, now it will come a calling for my next step or what I now mm, need to do yeah, or yeah, what yeah, I yeah. now need to talk about. or And it I, will. Yeah, yeah. What I now need to get out. But right now it's more just like, well, can you be okay in the nothingness? Can you be okay in the in-between? Can you be okay in that there's nothing right now which is a wonderful rest or you know I think my old patterning is reverting back to being addicted to in some sense to the drama of the last few years not that Mm. and that doesn't mean I enjoyed it but you can become addicted to that adrenaline the chemical high that you get from it Um, and now that there's nothing really happening I think my brain is a bit like wait, what? You know, there's nothing happening. What do you mean there's nothing happening? There has to be something happening. There has to be some kind of crisis Mm. or something going on. So, you know, it can almost feel validated. Um, Yes. So it's it's just working through all that and just being okay with that queen, which I think is just as important in self-development as showing up as doing the work, as, you know, um, finding all these new amazing modalities. I think that's just important as well. Yeah. But I think... I always like to remind myself that we're human beings. We're not human doings. And that, yes, of course, we have to take all of these things that we're learning and we have to make them relevant. We have to do something with them. We have to take relevant action with them. But if we're just like trying to fill the space with a whole bunch of things without any intention, without any conscious awareness of what or who or why or whatever it is that we're doing, then what's the point? Yeah. It's like our collective therapist. (laughs) She, she once said to me, she's like, you know, it's all well and good to be up the mountain, the mountain being the metaphor, you know, meditating and being in your cave and, um, uh, and doing all this self work that, you know, there's so much merit and worth in that, but once, but you're going to have to get down off the mountain eventually. And actually, and that kind of means, you know, you're going to have to get down and actually integrate your learnings because it's very all well and good to listen to the next podcast, read the next self-help book, do the, enroll in the next course. But if you're not then, yeah, integrating that into real life, if you're not getting off the mountain and actually playing it out. I guess it's like, you know, doing an exam at, at school or uni, you can do all the study, do all the research, do the, the exam, but then it's not until real life where you actually have to implement what you've learned that you know, whether, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there's any more work to do. So I think that's really mm-hmm. showing up for me. Um, and as well, 
I think the last week, just realizing that healing isn't linear, grief comes and goes, um, things that I thought I dealt with or healed from and were done and were wrapped in a nice little neat bow, you know, can sometimes have the bow stripped off and you still feel a bit raw underneath. So I think, uh, you know, it's just a really, it was a really, the last week has been a, a good lesson in just realizing mm. that it comes in waves and things you thought you dealt with sometimes just come back up to the surface and that's okay. But we also want to look at our things that we do. You're right. 100% right. But we want to start looking at our patterns or our themes that we are moving through as strutted. They're layered. So it's not like they've gone away and they come back and they're oscillating in and out of our lives. And we haven't dealt with it. We are always dealing with them, mm. but what we're doing is we're removing this, the top layer and then we're moving the next layer and then the next layer, but the layers are still there, even if we, they aren't quite visible to us. And when our physiology is ready or when the time is right, then the layer will appear the next layer, the more yes. subtle, and it will just get much more subtler and subtler and subtler. Like, if you were to look at something that when you first started working with it, it would have been so yes, um, dramatic and, and shocking and dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then as you move through the layers and you get to much more, you know, subtler and deeper layers of the same pattern, yeah. then your response to it and your recovery from it are going to be so different. It's going to be quicker. It's not going to be as shocking. It's not going to be as, as distressing. It's not going to require so much time to bounce back from it. The integration period is going to be not always easy, but a lot easier. That and it's really, so really, yeah, it's really good to recognize that. Yeah. And I think that is, that I guess is a testament to doing the work and like where I've been this year doing so much work on myself that now when usual triggers have come up, stuff that I might've blown up your phone like, about, okay. I'm like, <laughs> oh, did I tell you this happened? Well, this and thing like, happened. No. And uh, like, uh, it might not have even mattered to me or maybe, yeah. you know, uh, over the last week, you know, little things have seeped in a little bit deeper than I would have liked, mm. but it's like, oh, okay. I, I actually know how to sit with this now. I know how to yeah. let this out now. I know that it won't stick around forever. I know it will be okay. Mm. And I know. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. Really good point, Monique. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're oh, so you're welcome. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> um, that you're is... like really surprised by that. Wow, oh. you're so clever. What are you doing <laughs> to support yourself? You Have you just been doing all the somatic therapy? Am I just giving it all up? Uh, yeah, well, I'm still, I'm still doing my somatic therapy. I still see my somatic therapist every fortnight and I love her and I've been doing a little bit of breath work, more pranayam than holotrophic breath work. But um, what I have been doing is a little bit of chanting lately, which is also a little bit of somatic work. So I have been uh, chanting every morning. I get up at 6am. Now this is not going to be sustainable forever, but I'm really enjoying it while I can. I'm trying to practice a little more, bit more discipline, uh, but I've been doing the Gayatri mantra every morning as the sun comes up, which is uh, a mantra specifically to acknowledge the sun as it's rising. That's and so then beautiful. I'll do Surya Namaskar. Yeah, it's really nice. And I'll be doing Surya Namaskar straight after that or sun salutations and then diving into my meditation. And tomorrow I'm about to start a 40-day Japa Mantra journey, yeah. which I'm a little nervous about, but pretty excited about as well. So it's basically using... I mean, mantra itself is using a vocal expression, a sound, a primordial sound of nature to invoke something or support yourself through something. Um, oh, and it feels... So I have my charts read, yeah. Oh, you feel... Sorry, I interrupted you then. You just feel so good when, whenever I've done any kind of chanting or uh, like kirtan, kirtan. Mm-hmm. Um, kirtan. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Like your whole, it's like, that's like singing a, a mantra, right? I think that's yeah. what Kirtan, yeah. Yeah, Kirtan is. Well, I cannot say that word. And Kirtan. <laughs> Kirtan. And my whole body is, it just like buzzes with this energy. It's something so primal and innate that I think in Western yeah, society, we don't, we don't evoke often if at all because we yeah. we're not how often do we get together and sing like in eastern, com- in eastern communities they would but we don't so yeah it's really healing yeah. it's really something really special it is 
the intention is held in the mantra itself because it has no meaning, like it has no literal translation, but the intention is held in the mantra. So then when you invoke that through chanting, um, it and oh, I think the other thing it does is it creates like a natural internal rhythm, you know, like drumming or anything that is very primal. It gets you into this like natural rhythm with nature that you are sort of using your vocal cords to commune with. It's really, mm. really cool. Anyway, so I start that tomorrow, which is an hour of chanting every day. Oh my god, it's an hour. It's an hour. So it's five rounds around my mala, my mala beads. So oh my mala gosh. has a hundred and eight beads on it. So ooh, you're gonna you know, be like this forty days guru. Like you're gonna just be new Monique. No, after I'm days. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I you're gonna swear off coffee. Really cool. You're gonna I swear know, off no, coffee. No, no, you're no. gonna swear off sex. You're just gonna swear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already. I'm already there. <laughs> Help me, I'm full. <laughs> yeah, so I had my charts read and then she went through and saw what was going on astrologically oh. in my charts um, coming up. And I move out of like, a, I think it's an 18 year period of Mercury in December. And so she prescribes me a specific mantra to chant and how many rounds that I need to do. Um, yeah, sounds amazing. Awesome. I know. So I'm really excited for it. What about you? Um, well, I went away last week for a couple of days, which is the l- furthest I've ventured out of five kilometers for months. Um, so that was really nice. I just like this lovely level of Ollie and I just went away and had just, it was just so beautiful and just an element of freedom and nature. And so I think that, but otherwise like I've been, yeah, as I said, I haven't been doing much there, any therapy or anything like that. I've just been in this real integration stage. I've been, um, enjoying reconnecting with people and friends and, um, eating well and, looking after myself in that sense. So yeah, well, gosh, it's not much, but that's kind of it for me. No, I was talking to you about this before. And I was saying that one thing that I've noticed that you've been doing a lot lately and you hadn't put anything together until I'd said something to you, but I noticed you've been putting yourself in some oldest old situations, which once upon a time would have really been quite stressful for you and really dipping your toes in a whole bunch of new things. Just, it's almost like you're like, Hmm, let's see how this feels. Let's see how going on a date. F- oh, can I tell people? you? Yes. <laughs> Let's, let's see how going on a date feels. Let's see how meeting up in person with somebody I haven't met before feels. Let's see how hanging out with some people from my past feels. I've really noticed you've been doing that a lot. So that's kind of a bit of a pattern, a bit of a testing thing for you to see. I didn't even realize I was doing that at all. So I like that spin. <laughs> it's not, it makes sense though. I think that does make sense, but I just didn't even realize It's like you want to test out your new powers, your new superpowers. Let's see how I feel when I do this. But not too much too soon. (laughs) It's like not not pushing your boundaries out out of your comfort zone, but just stretching them a little bit to see how they feel. Mm. I'd like to know what you're reading, watching and listening as well, please. I am reading the Tao Te Ching um, and I'm finding it really interesting. I'm reading about two versions. One is by Ursula Lagoon, Lagoon, I'm not sure. And the other is Wayne Dwyer's Change Your, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Um, Yeah. So both of them write essays and then they sort of like have their own interpretation of it. So that's been, um, I find that really, really interesting. And I try and just read like an essay, maybe a week or every couple of days rather than one a night and just powering through it and then sitting with it and writing a little bit about what I think. about Mm, Because I think there's 82, 82 or 42 chapters or some, some shit like that. But, um, and I've been watching Shit's Creek. I'm so fucking obsessed. I literally watched six seasons in about four days. Everyone speaks about this show. I love it. I, everyone's like, oh, it takes a little while to get into. And it literally probably took me an entire season. And then I was like hooked. It's just good old fashioned humor. It's, it's, I just love it. It's got great storylines. The characters are amazing. The costumes are amazing. Like, it's a great fucking show. Um, and I've been listening to Joe Rogan a little bit lately because I'm really interested in the political situation going on in the US. Um, but I find that people are either like super anti it or super pro either Trump or Biden. It's or so neither. polarizing, Rog- isn't it? 
Yeah. And Joe Rogan, I find, is relatively neutral or has at least conversations, very intellectual conversations from both sides. And he talks to really interesting people. Listen to one and he was talking to some dude from the CIA and that was a great chat um, right around election time. So, yeah. I am still reading because <laughs> lockdown lifted, so I've been not reading much. But <laughs> so I'm still reading All Our Shimmering Skies by Trent Dalton, but loving it. I am watching The Crown and I've never watched any other seasons of The Crown until I knew that Princess Diana was in this one. Um, this was the story about Diana <sighs> and Charles. So I've been really enjoying that. Yeah. It just feels like I love, I love history. But I think I was just finding it difficult to get into, I don't know, just the older seasons that maybe that I didn't, don't remember or don't look familiar for some reason. So I'd always just flick it off. Mm. Um, but this one, you know, we all know who she was. We all know that story. So it just feels, and you just feel like you're mm. almost in it. And I'm not listening to anything <laughs> but my own podcast because I have to edit them. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to do something a little bit different for this juice episode. We've got like five little mini topics. We put the, we put the floor out to, we put the call out to our followers to see what they wanted us to chat about. So we've got a few of those in interspersed throughout ideas that have come up for us and things that we want to chat. So they kind of, it's almost going to be like a little bit like a Q and a kind of style. I think we're feeling. Um, so the first yeah. one we want to, I mean, the idea into, is that we're going to get through really quick, but we're usually, yeah, we're usually look, yeah. this is probably going to be, <laughs> broken up into like no, three we're episodes. Gonna, the, intention. <laughs> the intention is we're going to be quick and snappy. So the first one we want to dive into is why self-love isn't always the answer to low self-worth and the difference between mm-hmm. acceptance and awareness. And I, I, I did have someone else come to me and say, why don't women value themselves? So in amongst that, as well as this, I think there's something to discuss here. You know, wh- why isn't self-love always the answer to low self-worth? Okay. So I actually think there's two parts to this and this is coming from my own experience. I just had this aha moment. I'm talking really fast because I'm trying to be snappy. But anyway, I just had this aha moment on the weekend when I was taking a photo of myself in my bikini. And um, I realized that I always thought that self-love and accepting my body was the answer to what I thought was low self-worth. And I have thought about how much in society we try and negate low self-worth by doing all these external things to ourselves, loving on ourselves and affirmations. And I'm not saying that those don't work, but what I became really, really clear about on the weekend was that my problem never really was low self-worth. I've never looked in the mirror and been like, I really don't like my body or I don't like this, or I don't, you know, judging myself and how I look and what I should and shouldn't be doing. I mean, there's been elements of that, but certainly that hasn't been the primary thing. I think that what I've been starting to become aware of through somatic therapy is this deeper sense of myself, my self-awareness and my connection with my body is actually what's been off. So I've been, when I look in the mirror, it's not like I don't like myself, I look in the mirror and sometimes feel a stranger to myself, feel like a stranger to my body. I feel disconnected from my physical self. And I would look in the mirror and be like, who is this person? And really think that that person was a stranger. And before I would have really judged that as, as, as not accepting myself or not loving myself, which I've been told by society is having low self-worth, but it's really a physical disconnection from the home that I basically, my consciousness, Mm. my higher self, my soul lives in because through experiences with trauma and relationships and all of these things in the past, I've had to shut down myself from my body so that I can escape whatever is happening in the time I've basically like numbed out. And then throughout my life experiences, I've used external things to numb out from my physical experience and my physical discomfort with my feelings by drinking and doing drugs or having sex or whatever it is that will take me out of my body basically. So it's like I've spent my whole life trying to disassociate myself from my body to escape from it even to a degree through my meditation practice, you know, my meditation practice is really meant to be expanding my awareness beyond my body, not getting me out of my body. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So 
that's um, interesting. Can I just, yeah, just butt in there that you, yeah. th- that's how I sometimes feel that when I was doing meditation a lot, which I still believe in and I still think is a wonderful tool. I think a lot of it, I was using it as a way of getting out. Like it was like this, you know, that, that feeling of transcending is unlike anything in the world, but I was, my intention was to go into it and transcend to be away from me. And I don't think that is yeah. the right intent. Well, right. I, I'm judging myself there. I don't think that's the healthiest of intentions to go into it. I don't think that's the purpose of it. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, when yeah, you get intention think, through it? Yeah, I think it's more attachment. So I was attached to something that was outside of my body. I was attached to my transcendence. I was attached to my spiritual experience. And I'm not adhering to the human curriculum. Like I'm not realizing that my consciousness chose to embody literally into a human physiology so that I can have both a human and a spiritual experience of the world. I was so attached to my transcendence or that I would feel pissed off or angry when I wasn't transcending through my mutation or frustrated or this isn't working and what's the fucking point of this? And actually that experience of, the tr- of transcendence is to experience something bigger than yourself and then bringing that into yourself and sharing that and making that relevant with the world. And the more that you ground into that level of awareness that you are a body having an expanded experience of, you know, the universe or the world or nature around you, and then using that to take action, the more stable your foundation becomes for inner fulfillment and the less that you need things outside of yourself to make you feel good about yourself, like bubble baths or, um, relationships or whatever it is that you're doing to feel good about yourself and try and negate what you would quote unquote call self-hate with these self-care and self-love self-love self-acceptance i'm gonna put a face mask on and i'm going to you know get my hair done which all feel great and i love doing those things totally i'm getting my hair done this week um but you know i think you mean yeah what you're saying is that isn't the answer to self-hate is self-hate, I even hate, don't like using that word, but you know, self-loathing isn't the answer. It isn't, the answer isn't to go in and seek external validation. Like, you know, I'm going to get a facial or my hair done because that is just seeking for something outside of yourself. So you're not really going to get fulfillment, deep fulfillment because your hair looks good, (laughs) but it'll make you feel nice. Oh, cool. My hair looks great. And I like doing those things. I love doing a mask, but I, I that because my individuality likes doing that not because I think that it's actually going to change who I am and how I truly truly authentically feel about myself on the inside you know I I do those things because they're fun end of story full stop what is the answer you know how if someone is struggling with their sense of worth or uh loving or accepting themselves what what is the answer then you know i think which you know all the memes and everything on instagram shows us to go and yeah take a bubble bath and um i don't know do your makeup and things like that what what is the answer I think the answer is firstly like very unique for every single person. Like I can't sit here and say that you should be meditating and you should be doing therapy and journaling just because that's what works for me. But I definitely think that finding the answer to low self-worth or a greater sense of self-acceptance and awareness is a combination of both um, mind, body, spirit practices. So a spiritual practice, an emotional practice, like, so spiritual for me would have been meditation. Emotional practice for me would be therapy. And then physical practice would be something like pranayam, breath work, somatic therapy, anything that helps you really uh, feel in your body physically a connection to your emotional and spiritual world. Find what works for you and then practice a little bit every day of you know, however you can introduce that every day, you know, we try and I think people oscillate in and out of these things that work for them. So they'll go, you know, full hundy on meditating and a four hour morning routine and therapy and, and going on a retreat and all of these things. And then they'll step out of it and they'll do nothing. And then they'll start feeling really, really shit again. And so then 
that's a trigger for them to decide, oh, fuck, you know, I'm feeling shit. I better get back into my things. But if you are sustainably and systematically dealing with these things, even if it's just like five minutes of journaling every day or whatever it is that you can manage on a daily basis basis that helps you to systematically release stress and connect in with um, your true self, then that would be the preferable thing to do. So you want to just keep it simple, keep it sustainable and keep it fun. Like if you, if it starts to feel like work, it's, you're not going to do it. Like, we're not wired to do shit we don't like if we're doing something we don't like we're we're not we're going against the flow of our nature and nature itself our next one this is one you can obviously tell this is my one yeah you did so well then where and this is i've got a lot of um single lady friends who are all amazing epic women and our common complaint is that we all get together and we all say to each other, to ourselves, there are no sing- good single men left. Where are all of the eligible single men? We've missed out. We've missed the boat. Um, everyone that's left are like the, you know, the dregs. No, we've, we've missed out. There are no single men left. And I think that is very common for single women to be saying but it also in a broader sense goes to the heart of the stories we tell ourselves. And these are the stories that I'm telling myself. These are the stories my friends are telling themselves. First and foremost, before we pull it apart, are there any eligible single men left, Monique Barry? Okay. So I feel like I'm going to be tough, Monique. Is that okay? (laughs) Yeah. Short answer, like to say... (laughs) We're all eligible single men. Are there any left? Of course there are. Like that is just, it's just not true to say that there's no single eligible. There's 7 billion people in this world. There's got to be one. So even just that story alone is just not true. And you're not going to find a single eligible, is it eligible? Yeah, eligible. Eligible eligible single (laughs) man sitting around complaining about how there's no eligible single men and that they're all dregs because law of attraction, whatever you're putting out, whatever your uh, belief underlying belief is, even if intellectually, you know that that's not true. Like intellectually, I know that there's tons of men out there. If your unconscious belief is, is that there's not, and that any man that you come as a dreg or a threat even to your independence or to your safety or to even change. Like you get, we get stuck in this, like um, we get comfortable with our experience of being single and our freedom and our independence. And so to a degree we can even repel like, Oh God, if I really bring somebody in then that's all going to have to change. Am I really ready for that? What if he hurts me? Like the last guy, you know, Um, if that's the story that we keep telling ourselves, and that's the energy that we're putting out, then our physiology is going to find things to prove that true. You know, if we are struggling to find someone, there's a couple of reasons why one is that the relationship with yourself is still wounded and this causes you to remain closed Mm. off to opportunities or someone comes along and immediately you're looking for all of the things that are wrong with them. Um, you aren't clear what you want. How can you manifest whatever it is that you're calling in? If I mean, use your contrast for clarity. If you know what you don't want, then use that to give you clarity about what you do want. I don't like a guy with uh, a bad attitude. <laughs> clarity would be, I like a guy with a good attitude. So place your attention on that. Uh, you feel on some level unworthy of receiving love. Mm. You think, you know, why would anybody want me? Or uh, I'm never going to find the guy that I really need in my life or whatever it is, the the narrative that's playing in your mind. Um, But if you feel unworthy of receiving love, then you're not going to be open to somebody when they're ready to present it to you because you're trying to fit him into this box of what he should or shouldn't be. And the last bit is kind of what I was saying before is that especially if you've had a traumatic breakup or really um, something that really shook you, 
um, in a past relationship, it can be quite vulnerable allowing yourself to feel seen again. And it can be very scary to think about that experience happening again. So we can also be really tentative or even I've heard even friends say, you know, I'm not looking for somebody. And that might be true to a degree. We shouldn't really be looking for someone, but we also don't want to say it because we're afraid of not meeting someone. And we're just saying it to make ourselves feel better when we, when they don't come into our life experience. So um, where are all of the legible single men where you're not going to find it sitting in a circle with your friends complaining about how there's no left? Of course not. It's also going to require a little bit of bravery to put yourself out there into situations where you are a little vulnerable, where you are doing something to work through um, whatever experiences you've had in your past relationships so you don't bleed on all your future ones, Mm. where you are open to possibilities about, um, you know, meeting somebody new and what that might look like. I mean, the cost of closing off from other people is intimacy and and connection with, with those very same people. Putting walls up keeps bad shit out, but it also keeps very good, beautiful things out as well. And I think we also get attached to this idea that this guy is going to be like the one. There's a lot of responsibility that weighs it on that. And it could not be that. It could be friends. It could be um, a work opportunity. It could be, it could be anything, you know, we just want to collect data and not be attached to that meaning anything, that person meaning anything specific about that. I feel like that ties in really nicely to the next mini topic is that, and I know I feel like I've been experiencing that, is that when you feel like you've been disappointed a lot or you feel like you've done all the right things and what you want still isn't coming to you, and Gabrielle Bernstein talks mm-hmm. about this a lot, um, is that then you can feel disconnected from source or the universe or disconnected from the um, idea that there is something greater than you supporting you. Um, and then you almost then feel because you feel so disconnected, you feel like you have to go it alone or you have to, um, you know, there is no one out there supporting you. It's all up to you. Uh, And it's almost this very masculine egocentric energy in that too, because Mm -hmm. it is scary to believe it's scary to put your faith into something and, and just know or hope that it'll pay off. Um, I feel like that, yeah, ties in very nicely because I think the process of what you're talking about of, of letting someone in or of allowing that process to happen, of believing that there are good eligible single men out there um, comes back to uh, allowing yourself to uh, relent a little bit of control of the situation. You can't control mm-hmm. who comes in, of your, in and out of your life and what they're going to be like. And then in turn, surrender, surrendering to that process. And that can be really hard when you've decided I, this in my timeline, I should have this now I should have this person and it should be look like this and be like this. But again, that feels like the ego rearing its ugly head and being and ignoring that the whole part of this whole conversation is surrender. What does surrender mean and what does it look like? That's 10 questions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I think um, what I wanted to say as you were talking was that we think the work is trying to call the things that are aligned for us into our lives and trying to force the situation when it's not working, you know, what the real work is, is the practice of learning how to let go of your irrelevant beliefs and ideas about what is true. And even the belief that we have to do something in order to get something. My teacher always says to me, um, do less, achieve more. And that really is the core of surrender. You know, we think that surrender means doing nothing at all, though. We think that surrender um, means just really sitting back. We, we kind of think of it as the opposite of doing something. So yeah. we've got at one end of the 
the spectrum, doing, 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 doing. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we think that surrender is doing nothing at all. But surrender really is having an awareness that we're trying to force something or use effort to control a situation, ultimately because we don't think or believe that we are supported by nature or that things are going to work out um, in our favor. Uh, so we notice that effort and we notice how much energy we're putting into it and how much stress it's causing us and frustration. And then we just let it go. We just let go of our attachment of needing to know. Um, and yet it does require a lot of trust and that is very anti society, I suppose, because society needs proof and it needs belief and it needs something tangible and solid and real. And life just doesn't work that way. You know, um, we can't see the wind, but we know it's there. We can't see our child when it's in utero, but we know it's there because we can feel it. We've got so many senses that we can use. We don't need to physically see something with our eyes or, or touch something with our hands to know that something exists. I think this idea that we've lost faith in support from a higher source is um, a little bit of mistaken intellect. It's the intellect trying to compensate, uh, feeling, compensate and feeling a little bit of pointlessness, you know, feeling a little bit let down. But again, it's this attachment to this idea that things have to work out in a certain way. And when it hasn't, because of course we know better than the universe, how is the universe possibly know what's good for us so we feel a little bit you know um feel a little bit of blues we feel a little bit of pointlessness you know why am i even bothering if the na if nature or the universe is just going to do what it's going to do but um we're always connected whether we want to acknowledge it or not whether we're feeling connected or not we are connected we are part of nature the tree doesn't just sit outside and be like, well, I'm fucking just growing up in the sky and just getting bigger. Like, what's the point? And then I'm going to die. And, you know, it, we're all part of a very unique ecosystem that, um, and we, we would be naive to think that we could ever understand the complexity of that. So um, if we're losing faith and support from a higher source, you know, just take a moment to sit if we can't sit with ourselves, sit in nature, like truly, truly sit in nature in a forest on the beach, no distractions, no devices, and just notice how you feel connected to the environment that you're in. Just notice how your sense of self starts to melt into, not away, starts to melt into the surroundings that you have around you that you're around um, and then tell me that there isn't that you're alone. Then tell me that there's not something there, even in our darkest moments, even in my darkest moments, I've always had this inner sense of awareness, like please something, anything, anyone help me. Who is that that I'm talking to? You know, that is not me. I'm not talking to myself and saying, please Monique help yourself. I'm saying, please something out there, help me which means that I'm calling on that higher source. And that's in my darkest days where I'm feeling the most unsupported, when I'm wondering what the fuckery is going on. Why is shit all going wrong? Why, why is this happening to me? Um, I, I still manage to call upon something outside of myself. And time and space give us a lot of opportunity for context. Like if I'm to look back on all of the shit things that have ever happened in my life from my consciousness now, I 100% can see, not, it doesn't have to be about a lesson, but I can just see so much clearer as to what my story was or why that happened. And maybe it was for me and maybe it had nothing to do with me at all. Maybe it had to do with somebody else's experience or growth or lessons or whatever the fuck it is, you know? Um, but context comes with, you know, doing the work and being able to get yourself out of your own fucking narrative and to a little bit of time just so that you can see how it's all kind of playing out and just being a bit more curious. I mean, I don't know if I answered the question, but I feel like you did. I do. I give you a check for that. The next topic is friendship <laughs> breakups. This one was sent in to me and we thought it was a great one to discuss and one that yeah. 
people don't talk about that much. You know, we talk about relationship breakdowns, but friendship breakups, they're own kettle of fish. Have you had experience with yeah, this? Yeah. Hell yes. Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> I had this friend, we had been friends. I hope she, I doubt she'd listen to anything I say, but anyway, um, I did have a friend that I'd been friends with forever. Like since I'm pretty sure she was at my first birthday party. And as we got older and older, I just started every time I hung out with her, I felt bad. And I don't know if it was that back now that I can think about it, we changed so much and we were, she was really clinging onto that old version of us that did everything together. And that just made me feel so bad. Like every time I hung out with her, it was such an obligation. It was such a, responsibility. And she always made me, she always guilt tripped me, you know, you need to hang out with me, you need to hang out with the other friends and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then uh, I, Bo was born and I was just tired and stressed and all of the things I was finding myself a new mom. And it was my birthday, my first birthday after my separation. And she texts me this, like, I don't know if it was a typo, but it was a nasty text. <laughs> and I just was like, she'd obviously snapped. And in that moment I fucking snapped and I was like, I'm not going to pretend anymore. And I cut her off. I blocked her. I have not spoken to her since. Oh my God. I bumped into her. I know. <laughs> I bumped into her a couple of times and I tried to fix it for a little bit afterwards, but I realized it was always about me, me trying to like not be seen as the, um, the shit person in the situation. And when I actually thought about it, I was like, hang on, we had grown apart but we were both too chicken shit. Well, I certainly must, I can speak for myself. I was too chicken shit to acknowledge it or deal with it um, in an adult way. So I keep pretending and I keep pretending and I keep pretending until I couldn't pretend anymore. I had mm. no energy left. I'd exhausted it and I fucking blew up basically. And for her, that was just completely out of the blue. As far as she knows, I was a great friend, a great friend, a great friend. And then one day just cut her off with no word and so I'm not surprised she doesn't want to hear anything I have to say now because in her mind, I was, she was there for me and I was there for her until I wasn't. And yeah. I just cut her off without a word. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It comes back to that thing of um, you have to accept that you'll be a villain in someone else's story and they'll have this whole yes. other idea of you and who you are and what and you're capable of yeah. that might feel completely divorced and removed from who you actually are. And that will be compl- in complete contrast to how someone else views you. I said that to my girlfriend last week. I'm like, you just have to be okay with the fact that people will probably, they will probably think this of you and you're going to be the villain in their story. And that's just, I the and I don't like everybody. So it'd be so unreasonable for me to think that everybody's going to like me. Like I don't like everybody. And that's okay. <laughs> like it's got, it doesn't mean I actively hate them and want to go out of my way to destroy them. It just means that they're not my person. And that's yep. the end. Of, like, that's it. You know, that's the end of it. But breaking up with a friendship is hard. And I think, yeah, I think it's, it's that it's what you said about noticing how you feel after you're with somebody that can yeah. be the real indicator with whether you want to spend some more time with them again, yeah. or if at, you know, if at all, um, or even for long periods yeah. of time, sometimes you can't help that say that might be, you know, someone that you do have to see, I don't know, just for an example, say it could be a sibling's partner or something like that. Someone that will always be around, um, that you can navigate it. But other times it can be just a real, I don't know, it just kind of cut them out and just, no, don't have anything well, I think anymore. It's- but do you have that conversation? Do you break up or do you just let it fade away? I think the first thing that if I was to put it into steps, the first thing that you need to do is be really honest with yourself because I've had situations where things have not been going really great in a friendship. And I'm like, hang on, do I, do I care enough about this friendship to want to do something about it or not? So firstly, just be honest with yourself about what the friendship means to you and whether you whether it is still life enhancing or if it's actually just not for you anymore. Um, That's the first thing. Once you've decided that, then take action. Uh, So if you've decided that you still want to be friends with this person, potentially you've had an argument with them, then you might want to have a conversation. I've had conversations with three friends where things could have easily gone either way. And it's ultimately brought us closer where I've been like, well, this is what I've been going through. You know, when people get close to me, I tend to cut them off. I'm, you know, how have you been feeling? And that's just opened up a 
passageway for greater conversation and our friendships, those three friendships are stronger than ever. They're three of my best friends. And then the other side of that is that, look, um, you could do one of two things when you, if you can be honest and saying like, they're not for me. One is that you can just gently bow out. <laughs> just stop answering messages. Which is the least, <laughs> I wouldn't say just stop answering messages, but I don't know if you want to do it. I'm going to say the chicken shit way, but I've done this way. So I've been definitely a chicken shit in certain situations. It'll just be like not replying straight away. Um, and not saying maybe not read. committing to plans together, not committing to plans, being very vague. And then eventually hoping that they get the idea. But if it's kind of like a bestie yeah, or once upon a time with someone close, you kind of just have to be like, look, I, I really love you. Um, but just not apologizing for the direction that your life has taken. You know, you don't need to say, I'm sorry that we're not friends anymore. I'm sorry that we're not aligned. Just be like, this is the direction that I'm moving in. And these are the things that I've noticed are different about us. And, you know, I, I wish you well and how they're going to take it is, is their responsibility. So I think, yeah, you just want to go back to that, you know, wanting to have things in alignment with the people that you're around. You want to feel like better ver- mm-hmm. a ver- better version of yourself because you are friends with this pe- yeah. these people. You want to leave their company feeling b- yeah, better about yourself, not worse. You want to leave their company knowing that yeah. you're supported and enriched and that, that you're doing the same back. It's not a one-way street. Um, and I think yeah. if you can always tell. Like I think that's always been for me. I've always said there's like tiers of friends. Like sometimes you can just have the friends that you know are just a kind of fun yeah. good time that you know you can go out with or, you know, but then they're the other ones that you only. All of our friends are like, which one am I? Yeah. <laughs> but you'll only kind of go out with them, but you're not going to tell them your deepest, darkest <laughs> secrets. Um, but then there are the ones that you know that you only you're only bound by gossip or bitching or, you know, that's Mm -hmm. all that you really have. I'm not friends with people like that. But you can kind of recognize them for what they are. I don't think everyone in your life has to be your best friend. Not everyone in your life has to know everything about you. Sometimes people can just serve their purpose in your life like you were doing back to them. Um, I don't think there has to be this massive focus on, I only only have room for three people and anymore. It can sometimes be like, well, you know what, when I do run into that person, I do have a bit of a laugh. I do have a bit of a good time. Are they going to be, yeah. you know, at my wedding whenever I get married? Probably not, but that's okay as well. <laughs> <laughs> when all the dad guys disappear and the real ones. Yeah, then the, and then the eligible men show up because Monty Barry's going to coach me through all my blockages. <laughs> you just wait, guys. The juice will be like featuring my new man because of Monty Barry. Um, <laughs> now our final topic. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes. It's Christmas time. It's party time. It's when celebration it's time. time. It's festive season. Yeah, I love Christmas. I do too, <laughs> but not everyone does. And there are a lot of shitty parts yeah. to it because it is a big time of the year. Um, it is a big time of the year. It's to navigate. Uh, in-laws, um, family you don't want to see. Stresses, overindulgence, alcohol, all kinds of things. Festive season triggers is our final topic. Uh, how do you, yeah. what's Christmas time like for you? What's that festive season like for you? Christmas time is very busy because it's also my son's birthday around Christmas time. Um, and I'm a super like Christmassy person. Um, I'm not a new year's person. So every new year's I usually generally spend it on my own and I have like a beautiful evening that I do. So anyway, but my top tips for navigating festive stress would probably be realizing that no is a full sentence. You do not have to say yes to every single opportunity that comes your way. Um, that stress comes from the expectations that we place on ourselves. So if you're feeling like if something is the, the really easy way to think, it, if, if it feels like hard work, it's not flowing, then you shouldn't be doing it basically. So if you're putting this expectation on yourself that you have to have your house digged out or you have to host everybody at your house for Christmas or you have to go and visit XYZ on Christmas Day, just place your attention on each of those things See which feels like the heaviest or the most stressful or like is causing you the most uh, sort of like physical response and not a good way. And then let it go. Just be like, no, I can let that one go. And then you've actually got more time and energy to do the things that you love. I never, ever make commitments on Christmas Day. I always do my own thing. And if it happens to flow with other people's plans, 
then amazing. So I never, I, I, we always just have Christmas day here. Everybody usually ends up coming to my house for Christmas uh, because I cook usually way too much food, but um, yeah. Uh, drinking as well is like a big thing. Um, Even some people know, either know, enjoy it. People that do, might, enjoy might it or don't. during the year, probably then drink and then feel more shit about it. I think, you know, there's so much delicious food, which is amazing and yeah, you should so eat the food enjoy and enjoy it, it. but then don't day. beat yourself up after like you know I don't think we have no. to okay Christmas isn't for indulging but soon as November, uh, January 1 hits you know I am on this like strict I'm diet. gonna go on a diet yeah I think yeah. it rears those Which lasts for like 10 days totally it, yeah. it brings up that patterning um it also brings up the idea that we have to be I think as mums perfect mums the the amazing tree, the amazing decorations, the amazing food that I'm cooking. My child has to be so well behaved on Christmas because it's Christmas. You know, I think it brings up all, as you said, these expectations on yourself as a mom, let that all go. Like I think when I think as a kid, my, I loved Christmas day. I was very fortunate and my, the happiest moments I can think of is just being around family and playing with my toys and, um, you know, eating food with everybody. Like they're the most simple things. I don't remember if my cousin had a tantrum. I don't remember if the, the, you know, not that I eat turkey now, but the turkey was in for too long. Or you don't remember things like that. You don't remember, I don't know. Yeah. People turning if it up ain't late. Fun, it doesn't get done. It just, it just, you just want to make it, you know, for your child. I think it's such a, it's such, such a busy day as well. Like, just make sure that it's just yeah. filled with memories that you know you all love and that you'll all cherish and that feel really good. And I think like Ollie and I will just take it pretty easy. He'll then go to his dad in the late afternoon, um, which. I'm so lucky. I get him Christmas Eve. I get him Christmas morning and Christmas lunch and then he'll go. I am very lucky for that. So I know that a lot of single mums aren't as lucky like that and do have to don't, you know, do one Christmas on one Christmas off. And I think that would be, that sounds just so horrible to me, like so difficult. Sorry, Mm -hmm. I should say. Um, So I'm, my heart goes out to you if you have to do that, but you know, I think if that you're in that position, just knowing it is another day at the end of it and, you know, you'll, you know, next year you can do something really amazing and fabulous and do something really incredible for yourself. Make sure that you're looking after yourself that day. And, and again, it is just another day in the, in the end, you know, we're the ones that put all these uh, expectations. It's the second best day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first, your birthday? My birthday. <laughs> I just think keep it simple. Um, You know, I think people stress a lot about trying to balance family and work and other parts of their family and friendships. And just, again, just stop. Um, So trying to do all the things and just do the stuff that feels really, really good for you and be okay with saying no to those things. Stop judging yourself. If you're overindulging, like either drink or don't drink. It's as simple as that. Like drink and enjoy it or don't drink and enjoy it. You don't have to because everybody else is. I don't drink particularly over Christmas and stuff like, well, I don't drink in general, but I particularly don't drink over Christmas and stuff like that just because, um, I like to be there with my son. I like to be mm. on for him and I like to get up early in the mornings. Yeah. Um, just figure out what you enjoy and then do that. And it's as simple as that. And what about what's, expectations on yourself. what's your advice if people have to be around toxic family members or people that don't, they, family members they might not get along with, but that they have to be around. Yeah, that you might, you know, there will be people listening that don't have choice, that just have to be around certain people on Christmas. That can be really difficult. Well, if you don't have to be around them, then 100% be okay with removing yourself and and doing something that feels really good and fun for you. But if you absolutely unavoidably have to be around these people, um, I would say, I'm not usually one to usually say ignore them ignore them but I would say like focus on the things about your day that are going really well for example if you have kids or um you have I really am looking forward to the food that they cook Mm. even if they're a shitty person or whatever it is try and focus on something that is bringing you joy from the day because it's not just their day 
it's your day as well. And don't hand your power over to them by giving them permission to disrupt your baseline foundation for having joy on that day. And if you can try and find pockets, I used to get really overwhelmed by some of the people in my family. And so I would find pockets in my day where I could just like sneak off and sit and read a book or go off and have a nap or chuck on um, my favorite Christmas movie. uh, which is either Alf or, oh my God, I've just forgotten what it is. The Hugh Grant one and Kira Knightley. Um, Notting Love. I don't watch Christmas. <laughs> I don't watch Christmas movies. What the fuck is wrong with you? Nah, not my vibe. Think it's a Christmas movie. Anyway, everyone else who knows what it's like. Love Actually. You know, it doesn't. Oh, yes, it's it. <laughs> I love that movie. I don't like that movie. Oh, what is wrong? What movies do you watch on Christmas? None. None at all. I watched, you know what I did watch? <laughs> my son went to his dad and my mum was like, have you watched Marriage Story yet? You'd really like it. I'm like, no, I haven't. And then she put it on. I'm like, let's just put it on. And then if you don't like it, we'll just turn it off. And then she left. <laughs> and it's just like a marriage breakdown when they've got, they share one son and then it's them going through like lawyers and like, it's just. And I was oh, just, Adele, Adele, Adele. Oh and I finished it bawling <laughs> my goddamn freaking eyes out. And then I was in the no. shower, like sobbing, like heavy sobs. It was just, yeah. Okay. That's how I spent we last Christmas. We watch Home Alone. Life. You need to watch funny, sh- funny shit movies. Not funny what? shit movies. You need to watch funny not depressing sad, if anyone has any grim depressing to- recommendations for me this christmas let me know um, the grinch <laughs> but i hope you know this is our last juice app before christmas our next one will be a 2020 wrap which is going to come out just after chrissy before new year's so um this is yeah this is your merry christmas to the listeners money have a wonderful yeah (laughs) thank you so much we've gone through all our topics um we hope you enjoyed this episode in this new format we've tried to mix it up a little bit and i will be back as normal on monday but yeah you'll all see moni in a few weeks bye thank you Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.